And welcome back to DC's Take 5 here in Washington, D.C. Your two favorite co-hosts, Dan Baldwin here with Carter Owen? Yeah, right? what? Yeah, why you... No, I mean, it's always funny. funny. I had this conversation with someone the other day about how weird it was for people to have two first names, but technically, you, you have a last up? name as a first name and a first name you as want, a last you name. Shut up. <laughs> I still get called Owen by my dean. Oh, that's brutal. I know. <laughs> that's brutal. Uh, but let me, I, I just got this Venmo request from you I, before we started. It's $50 for interview, quote unquote. What's that about? Oh, well, the thing is, the surprise interview is finally happening. But not with the player that we've been talking about. Really? Yeah, but see this one kid. Um, his name's, uh, well, he, he goes by, he goes by the Baconator. Wait, why would you why would you name yourself after a sandwich? Oh, well, see, that's the thing. People think it's after a sandwich. His last name is Bacon. Oh, shit. Yes, this dude dresses up in a bacon suit and no, goes to really? every single Georgetown game. Oh, dude, how are we going to find this guy? Oh, see, the thing is, I ran into him after the game, paid him $50, which is coming out of your wallet now, because <laughs> you're the junior and yeah, I'm the senior. I mean, I'm going with the job. Too. And he <laughs> said, you know... I'd be willing to do your first interview if you wanted if uh, if you wanted us to. Oh, so that's what the guy sitting next to us. That's who he yeah, is. Yes, he is the big Oh, uh, okay, it makes sense now. Exactly. Right. But okay. yeah, so we have our first interview here today, here with Michael Bacon. Um, Michael is a senior in the McDonough School of Business, majoring in international business and marketing. A very interesting double major um, combo. Four-year student ticket holder, easily the most passionate Hoya fan out there, and affectionately and infamously known as the Baconator. Mike, welcome to DC's Take 5. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to hear, but oh, yeah. before we get the interview started, we'd be remiss without playing our favorite theme song. You might want to plug your ears. It, it, We're numb to it now, but it's not... And I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna know what the song is. You being, you know, a, like a big Georgetown fan, having gone to basically every single home game during your tenure here at Georgetown. Let's see if you recognize this. Welcome to DC. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to DC. <laughs> Welcome to DC's Take 5, Mike. Again, great to have you here. We appreciate you coming in and being our inaugural interview. You're really our guinea pig, and we appreciate that. No, of course. I didn't realize it was the first interview, so here we go. All right, so this you is ready the... ready for the hazing? Oh, I definitely. I tell you what, if I can survive the first row of the student section, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got to answer the question that's on everybody's mind. How, how did how, what what gave birth to the bacon eater? Like how did that become a thing? Yeah, so as as some people know, my last name is Bacon, spelled a little bit different. So how did how did you get that? Let's start there. Yeah, Let's from, take it way back. From way way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my dad who told me, you know, bacon it is. And from <laughs> uh, yeah, it actually comes from my grandfather uh, immigrated from what was Yugoslavia. Okay. They assumed it was the Balkan Peninsula. Somehow the L got dropped, and then figured. Bacon's a little bit cooler than Bacon. So oh, that's that's really cool. That's actually. what it is. But in high school, uh, I played basketball. It was a big part of who I am, and also kind of inspired me to really pursue the fandom at Georgetown. Uh, but one of the big things was that when I'd shoot free throws, one of my buddies was in the student section. 
he used to always, you know, if I'd say it, yell out, man, uh, do you, is it breakfast time? And then everyone else yelled, yeah, because I smell bacon. And so ah. there was always a plan with that. And then it became um, actually a Halloween costume was the original tent. And then from there, I figured, you know what? Uh-huh. Let's try this at Georgetown Basketball, see a little something, and the rest is history. Damn. Okay, so... That's really inspirational. Was the Halloween costume something in high school, or was that a college thing, going out to a party, being like, all right, I'm going to get some drip going. Let's get the <laughs> suit. Originally, it was in high school, so the suit dates back quite a bit. Uh, funny enough, it's a, it's a one-size-fits-all kind of deal, which meant it was okay in high school, but since we got to college, <laughs> I had to, I had to dress it up a little bit. The, the pants soon turned into capris. And so <laughs> thinking, you know what? I take it upon myself to be a, a custom tailor. Give it a little extra pizzazz. Cut them into shorts because oh, that's yeah. the new look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then, nice. you know, now it fits great. Have you been doing that every game? Every game. Oh, freshman. Even since freshman year? Freshman, sophomore year, I'd only do it when I was near the front, oh, um, okay. which was hard to get. Yeah. But then I, I worked my way up the ladders, and, and now ever since like, junior more year. Like, more like the students worked their way out. Right <laughs> exactly. Out what I that's true. That's yeah. true. But I was tried and shoot, and by junior year, yeah. every time, every game. Yeah. You've gotten on TV a fair amount from wearing the suit. I have. Oh, it's, yeah. it's funny enough. You, you, know, you spend enough time there. You get to know some of the security guards, some of the folks on TV. Uh, they always give us a little bit of a feature, which also means I need to be on top of my dance moves. Mm-hmm. Mm, what's your favorite dance move? So I'm more of a, a spontaneous kind of guy, a situational dancer. Mm-hmm. Oh, so context is big. Absolutely. Depending on what it is, you know, it can be everything from just a quick little shimmy here and there to something routine. Uh, Were you a I, big shiggy guy back when that was the thing? I was. I was, an, I was a man at the times, so, you know, trend, always <laughs> updating the trends. But I try to, try to keep it going, uh, since sometimes you just got to feel it. I mean, we dance a lot here on mm. the podcast. Not well, but yeah, we do it. You know, shirtless, you know, shirt whoa, on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm we don't do that. <laughs> Speak for yourself, bro. Yeah, so, all right. Now, there's the next question. When did you really begin to fall in love with Georgetown Hoops? You mentioned you played basketball a bit in high school, but when you and I, us being seniors, came in, there were a little bit expectations for the team. We were a borderline top 25 team. We had Devontae Smith-Rivera. We had Isaac Copeland, Big Brad Hayes. Talk about a throwback, baby. But came out, and the first game was a double OT, lost to Radford. Then we went across town, played Maryland, lost at Maryland in a heartbreaker. Then we went up to Madison Square Garden, lost to Duke in a heartbreaker. I mean, the thing is, like, I know, I know, because you, you, you feel this, you resonate mm-hmm. with me. And the big question is, it's been a lot, it's been a pretty painful four years. What keeps drawing you back to this team, the dedicated time? energy and passion to this team that just hasn't been getting it done in the past four years? That's a great question. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of, of history admiring Georgetown basketball. Uh, I'll never forget as a little kid, I was, I was always in the ESPN again, someone was in the hoops, uh-huh. and I remember it was uh, Sports Center, and it was Roy Hibbert with this kind of baggy Georgetown jersey with a shaggy undershirt. I said, man, that team's pretty cool. And that was, of course, the year they eventually you know, did pretty well, made it the Final Four. Uh-huh. Um, and from them, there's always admired. I went to a Jesuit high school, so there's always following Jesuit basketball. Oh, yeah. Georgetown had, you know, a bit of a run here and there. And funny enough, when I got accepted into Georgetown, my mom, um, you know, I sort of made my decision, decided to go. My mom was always very quiet, but at the end, she goes, oh, I'm so glad you went. Check this out. And she had actually worked in Maryland back in uh, the 80s, right after college, and pulls out this 1980s Georgetown basketball sweatshirt. Wow. Wow, that was the most fresh. It had the kind of retro print on it. Shit. Uh, she used to say, man, they were the heyday. They kind of had this mean look to them. There was something important. I looked up to them. You're, you're joining the history here. And so I always knew it was something, something pretty special. 
But then when I got to campus, as you mentioned, right, it was a tough double OT first loss. Man, I thought we were going to get Duke at the buzzer with Copeland in that three. But as someone who, you know, admires also the game um, and the ups and downs of that, I figured, you know, I, I, I'm not just a fan to see winning. I'm a fan because I love watching. I love studying. I love analyzing, breaking down. And to even be there and to have, even in the downtimes, be in the front row, be having, having access to, to the games and everything, for me, that's the joy. And I couldn't turn it down. And you've really turned into the heartbeat of the student section. I mean, when I go up to Section 104 to broadcast games, I got security officers going, who is that dude in the bacon suit right there? And I was like, that's the Baconator. <laughs> you don't disrespect right. the Baconator. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, get, do you find that when you go to these games, whether you're away, because you travel a lot, and go, you were at Syracuse. I know we had plans to go to Seton Hall until my fever said otherwise. Yeah. Um, but do you find that people actually recognize you? Like, that's that bacon kid. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. After after junior year and some of the bigger games on TV, you've got a little bit of, of uh, you know, showcase online on TV and everything. So people do start to recognize me. And I, I try to be consistent with it, so I wear it to every game. Uh, fun story, too, is that I've even gotten some folks to follow me on Twitter, reach out some messages saying, oh, it's so cool what you do, et cetera. Uh, and actually at the Syracuse game, it was great. I was in the front row, um, was right there in the center. And this dad, this older gentleman, walks up with his daughter and goes, are you Michael Bacon? I said, uh, yeah, and how do you know that? He said, I follow you on Twitter. And I said, oh, well, thanks, you know, that's great. And he goes, two things. One, can I have a picture with you so I can tweet it? And two, my daughter's a prospective student at Georgetown. Do you have any advice for her? So wow, wow. it was kind of a funny little moment there, but it was Ironic of all places at a Syracuse. <laughs> you should have just been like, no, don't apply here. Right, exactly. Come on. Uh, but it is fun to see the, the recognition. Fun to see that people have a good time with it, enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now let's take a little bit of a deep dive back into your past. Sure. Um, so obviously you're an IB and uh, marketing double major, but you also have a huge passion for social impact work. I, mean, I saw on your LinkedIn that you do social impact work in the United States, Botswana, South Africa. Yeah. What really drives you to do that? Is it your Jesuit background? Is it just you know you being a good person and getting it? Like What really drives your motivation to go out and help other people? Because that's really who, what you're about. No, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, for me, I was fortunate enough one, to have a background in Jesuit education to continue at Georgetown. Um, where I truly be per- believe in personally trying to be the best version of myself, being a man that's born with others. Um, also, fortunately, my mom has an interesting story. She grew up in the Philippines in a very different context, mm. left in a time which, which was a difficult time for the country, martial law, a variety of different things going on for her personally as well. And I think um, both her and, and the way she's conducted her life, but also um, then to have that part of my story with me, I've always found that experientially one, that the more I give myself away to something, the more whole I become. Uh, but the beautiful thing, I think something that I think of especially when I think of the story with my mom is that it's mutual, right? I've had the great honor and privilege of spending um, many breaks across several years in places like South Africa. Where I've been able to immerse in the stories of people that make me more whole, that energize me, make me want to be a better person. And it's fun now that even though I'm studying business, I can apply that in a different context. One of the great honors here on campus is I've been able to serve as the executive director of the Social Innovation Public Service Fund. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of my time doing work, immersing in the stories and narratives of others, and now it's fun that on the funding side I can help increase the equity and access so that people can, can have their chance to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you have one particular story that really pops out to you during your four years here? Because you do a lot. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that you do is crazy. You do alternative breaks programs, yeah. which is all about going to different places, helping others through different service work. Is there really one story that pops out where you were like, damn, this was the moment where I was like, I'm truly passionate about this? Sure, I can take you back to a moment in South Africa. 
Um, it was my freshman summer. I received a bit of funding to do some work on this a storytelling publishing initiative at a local high school there. And that was my fourth time there, so fourth trip to this community. Um, I had been able to make some, some wonderful friends. And there's this young woman, her, her name is Lissetti, and she's kind of a, a been-there-done-that person, uh, not a father figure in her life, but amazing social innovator and someone who's always creatively thinking. And it was funny, I, I'd given her casually a Georgetown sweater, um, actually the year before. And it was uh, when I knew it, I was going into to Georgetown when I was a senior in high school at the time. And so it's my freshman year, I'm coming, I'm flying in, um, and I see her and, and she's in tears. And I said, my goodness, you know, what's going on? Um, and dived into a, a very uh, deep narrative of how um, her father essentially come back into her and exposed her to an event, a bit of a crisis that was you know, beyond anything I could understand, something that was tragic, was traumatic, that deeply affected her. Um, but in that moment, she kind of said two things. Uh, the first is she like, kind of broke down in tears and said, you know, in this moment I, was, I had a conversion, I want to uh, dedicate myself to actually raising my brother and sort of took him home um, and ended up actually dropping out of school uh, to then work on the side to pay for her brother's tuition, uh, both as a means to kind of protect him in a lot of ways, but also serve her. And in the process, she actually ended up um, creating this beautiful after-school mentorship program at her brother's elementary, middle school, the combined school. And to date, it's served over 150 people. Mm. It's grown, and then they have over 20 mentors. Um, and more importantly, which was a beautiful moment for me, is she sent this wonderful picture of her teaching these kids um, and she was wearing that Georgetown sweater, that Georgetown shirt. Um, and people sort of learned the story of what it means to a Jesuit school to have that background. Anyway, that's just one small story of a variety of others, but to me it taught a lot. One is that um, I have a tremendous admiration for her strength and the way mm -hmm. she uses her story, that event, that crisis, to drive her forward. Um, but to me, what she also says is that you know, the greatest empowering moment was the fact that myself, the person I was working with, all of us together, had asked her, well, let's study what's your story, what's your source of pain? And that gave her a sense of strength that it's okay to carry that. And that mm -hmm. at the end of the day, she was able to help a lot of other people uh, and do so with a little bit of swag from Georgetown. Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. yeah. You said the fourth time in South Africa. Yeah, and yeah. we're going back this summer, which will be wonderful too. That's oh, awesome. Wow. That's, a, that's yeah. honestly, it's a beautiful story. I appreciate that. Yeah. How obviously the you know as two alums of Jesuit high schools too, Dan and I know well the importance of being men for others, mm. and it, it does mean a lot to see you really putting that into action. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I can't emphasize enough too. Right in that Jesuit context, that I learned so much from that. Right? It's mutual, mm. it's empowering, and the fact that I can carry that here on campus too, I think, is a bit of a duty, but also something that energizes me a lot and makes me grateful. Yeah. The fact that we can we can rep that Jesuit history and that that Hoya Sachs with pride. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you think that's a big reason we uh, we see the Pope a lot at Capital One Arena as well? <laughs> with Georgetown being Jesuit. I mean, we don't see the Pope at Duke, do we? <laughs> very, very true, right? Our, the current Pope, our former Jesuit, it's nice to have. We figured, you know, a little bit of a play on with the, the Catholic identity there. And also, you know, anytime you have the Pope on your side, even if we lose the game, we're the greater winner. So exactly. Let's just like also that. let's just inform the listeners real quick. Pope Francis is not actually at our games. Yes, as no, far as not we know. quite. As, as far, far as, as we know, we know. Who knows? maybe in spirit. Yeah, but a good uh, friend dresses up in a Pope costume. Yeah, saw Harrison. <laughs> exactly, right? He's he's kind of your boy now, right? You Absolutely. guys are always dancing together and stuff. How how did that happen? It's a nice one-two combo. A nice. Uh, and it's funny also that the things that happen at Georgetown basketball games. I'd never really known Harrison before. He started coming to the games last year. He's a year below me. I'm a senior. Yeah. He's a junior now. And so the fact that he was 
showing up, showing so much great energy, like, oh, this is awesome. And mm-hmm. we just got to know each other on the bus rides, talking, we became good friends, yeah. and more importantly, just really passionate fans. And it's also nice to have, too, if someone needs to save a seat for the other person mm-hmm. or help each other out, it makes the experience pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Whenever I try to go to the games, I'm like, hey, Dan, can you just like save me a spot you know, courtside where you broadcast? And he's <laughs> like, ah, oh, dude, I can't. Sorry. I oh, God, I, I wish I broadcast <laughs> <to a> courtside. <laughs> oh, well, you did once, right? Twice, actually. Twice, okay. Twice. It was um, the home opener our sophomore year. Mike, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was against... Who, who was Jacksonville. Was it against Jacksonville? That was Jackson? when Rodney Pryor didn't miss a shot. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. won by like, 60 yeah. points or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Was nice. yeah we, we I remember because... It was uh, the year John Thompson the third got fired actually. Yeah, um, my freshman year. And it was interesting because I remember I went to media day that year, and John really spoke about how his emphasis this season was creating, like, changing the culture, not necessarily letting what his expertise was define what Georgetown was, yeah. but rather working towards the scre- like the strength of that team. And I really, and we saw that right off the bat. Georgetown hit a shot, and immediately right. they're full-court pressing. I remember Copeland guarding the uh, inbounder. I remember um, LJ Peak's first bucket. Yeah. Drive on the baseline, 180 slam. Nice. And we, we won by so much. And I remember the next game was against Maryland, and I'm sure that you remember this as well. Unfortunately. Yeah. What was it? We were up by seven with... A minute left. A minute six, yeah. A minute and six left. And you know, I was there too. I that's mean, when uh, Mellow Trumbull. My introduction to Georgetown basketball. Yeah, so even with that, do you remember? Like, that was really the defining season mm-hmm. of our Georgetown careers. So what was your perspective as being one of the main fans of Georgetown? Like, Did you feel sympathetic towards Coach Thompson? Or were you basically like, dude's got to go? <laughs> That was that was tough. That was really tough. And I remember there was also a lot of excitement to be a fan that year. There was a game at McDonough Arena against Arkansas State. I think it was. Or yes, something. it was. Yeah. No, there wasn't. We don't. I don't. I, we don't talk about that. We don't make those jokes yeah. anymore. <laughs> 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 that didn't it's happen. Safe, didn't you're happen. safe here. You're I safe jumped here. it up. There we go. Uh, so I mean, my thought as, as a fan, I was trying to remain optimistic, right? I was thinking so much, and I I'll never forget. Right, we uh, a couple Oregon. games. Right? I was the season back and forth. Carter just saying you beat Oregon, right? Mm. Exactly, and um, I mean, there's so much, and I remember after the Maryland game, the coach said, it's okay, they're a top 15 team or something, they're going to be fine, and I thought, all right, it's time to be optimistic, um, but for me, I mean, a couple things that just became red flags, or when Copeland transferred, just the morale was down, it seemed mm-hmm. like, um, and, and also, like, that was a very talented team, there yes. was a lot of talent on that, on that roster, and to see how like, poorly it was used, unfortunately, was a bit uh, difficult to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I mean, as someone who uh, appreciates like the effort that Thompson had, but also just to see from a cultural and effort perspective that you know these guys are lacking the gel. There's something in the locker room that was just missing. And as much as he was a great guy, like, on and off the court, and recruited good guys to begin with, um, to see that made me think, well, there's maybe a bit of a, a technical side that he changed, but also mm. a cultural change too. Yeah, I mean, one thing you said is that you really like to dive into the game too, beyond the yeah. passion, you get into the X's and O's and things yeah. like that. So. What have you seen from Ewing since he's been a head coach? Sure. I mean, at first, I like, right from a cultural perspective, these guys play hard, right? Mm-hmm. They really wanted to win it. And even last year, which was a difficult year from like the win perspective, these guys were, were giving their best. Um, and I really like that they're playing faster, um, right? The Princeton offense and, and JT3, anytime you get that high post with the bigs too, which is a little difficult to see. Um, I do think even like personnel-wise, there's still a bit of a transition to, to Ewing's system. Mm-hmm. I like the yeah, fact... Yeah, mentioned that a lot. 
Yeah, nice. And I, but I like the fact they're playing hard. I like a lot of high on ball stuff. Right, anytime he would give that thumbs down, like all right, here we go, Jesse or or Josh, you know, a little, little fun pick and roll. Um, and I like the fact that they're, you know, he's making players make plays. Right, it's a lot of read offense, which is cool to see. I wish, you know, you know, defensively, there's some things to work on. A lot of open threes, closeouts. I kind of wish they'd press more to begin with, too, be a little more aggressive. But all in all, I think it's exciting. And what I also appreciate talking to fans, it's a lot more fun about style basketball to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. from the fans, too, it's good. Uh, but technically, too, uh, with this team and the way I like to see you know, the gameplay at the college level, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, now, uh, obviously, one of the biggest drawbacks to this team is, you know, Ewing's known for Hoya paranoia. Like, right. defense, mean, intense, rebound. And basically, we saw none of that at Seton mm-hmm. Hall. At right. Seton Hall, like, I remember I was tweeting the game out. The effort and the performance was an absolute disgrace. Coming from a team that was on the bubble for the tournament and absolutely must needed that win. What do you think happened in that game? Was it just, like, one of those nights where just nothing was going right? And, like, I guess, you know, you played basketball, Harris played basketball, I played basketball. We've had those games where it just seems like everything just doesn't go your way. And that's what it really felt like watching, even that Jagan dunk. I mean, that was, like, really the only good thing that happened. You know, Greg hit back-to-back threes, which was nice to see in the second half. But other than that, Mac and James were non-existent. Jesse's defense was, again, very suspect. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but our boy, Carter, Trey Morning, his absence was felt on the glass. <laughs> True. So what, what did you see in that game? Well, a couple things stood out to me. First was quick fouls, right? So yeah. we had six fouls in the first five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Two more on Mac. Jesse picked up a second without Trey. It's kind of like, all right, we put Grayson Carter in. Again, he's, he's skilled, but maybe in that situation he wasn't quite as prepared. Um, so that was a hurt, and I think just they weren't able to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, another thing, Miles Powell, an amazing player, and he was feeling it. I was surprised we weren't denying it to begin with, or kind of doing a bit of a, even like a boxing one, some set. Yeah. Because he was getting a lot, so many high, you know, one-on-one on balls, and when he's hot, even if he gets an ounce of space, he's pulling up for three and he's making that. I think in the second half, we got better than just denying him, you know, just close out, right, nose to navel on him the entire time, uh, but we just dug ourselves in the hole, right? we were down 20 points the first 10 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Matt kind of had to sit out the rest, and Jesse couldn't make it up on offensively. And ever since we dug ourselves in the hole as much as we could make runs, not enough to stop, especially when Powell's hitting those shots. Yeah, and it's interesting watching Miles Powell play because he's got a bit of Kemba in him. Absolutely. When you think back to what Kemba did at UConn way back when, in 2000, was that 2009? Must have been. It's something crazy. Back in the old Big East, he was able to pull up basically from anywhere when he was hot. Hand in his face, two hands, off balance, on balance, it was going in. And that's what Miles Powell has really turned into for this Seton Hall team. The guy is a cold-blooded killer on the basketball mm-hmm. court, and we just had no answers for him. Absolutely. And then the other thing, too, right, is, is as much as we could try and hedge him to even make him go backwards on the pick-and-rolls, he'd you know, pull up, and then he'd stunt that, and he was making his layups. He was getting in ones. He was attacking almost LJ Picas, kind of he's a slasher, finishing high. He's a thick dude. Like, I, I don't know. 195. How, yeah, absolutely. and he's like 6'2". I mean, in a weird way, I've actually... One of the things I sent Dan a while ago, especially when you consider his stats, I'll pull yeah. him up now to make my point a little more uh, salient, but I can honestly see him develop, or Mac developing in a similar lens to Absolutely. Him. Just physically and also like what their stats are and what Miles Powell's stats were his freshman year. Hmm. Like Mac probably won't be as good a shooter, sure. but he's more athletic. And I, I don't know why. I see a lot of similarities between them. Absolutely. Maybe like, you know, by the time Mac's a junior. And on that note, like, 
there's still a lot of optimism here, right? Sure. No, definitely. Um, with the team, I love the energy. You know, we got some. It's gonna suck to lose Jesse next year, but we got some some bigs. I've heard some some folks here that Omer's playing well in practice, and some of the new big bodies coming in. Maybe a more defensive presence. We'll Omer, see. aka the Turkish Terror, baby. Dan's <laughs> yeah. trying to it. make all these nicknames stick. Oh, I love it. He's I, got James. We got James Hollywood Akinjo. Oh, good stuff. Well, I tell you what, nothing's more scary maybe than. Miles Powell's short shorts and Omer staring around <laughs> at, at, at the warm-ups of the games and Omer's got his slick back hair, hands crossed. He, he looks like a fucking Bond villain now. Absolutely. Like with the beard and everything. Yeah. I mean, Omer's a big boy. <laughs> big He's body. a large human being. Yeah. You, said you, you, said, you said you saw him playing a Yates card. Oh, God. He was, it was hilarious, bro. kids. I mean, I saw him working out first, and he's definitely put on, like, a lot of size since yeah. he's got here, which is nice. You want to see your big do that, and you're off. But he, he was just fucking around in pickup, too. And there was this one kid who just dominates pickup every time he plays because he's, like, 6'5", probably about 220. Uh, just lengthy jump hooks all the time. <laughs> I hate playing with him. But... Uh, Omer comes, brings the ball up, does like a literal like between behind behind crossover, does a euro step and just swats him away like he's a fly. And I'm like, shit, this guy is like, yeah, you, you forget sometimes what like a real college big looks like, even compared to someone yeah. you think is a big in real life. Absolutely, I, I really I think he's gonna be better than Jesse. I agree. in all fairness, like a fair amount better. I'm excited to see. I'm curious yeah. too with the with the new guys if they can shift one down or power forward. Have two big guys play up, play small, play big. We'll see oh, what happens. Okay, that's an interesting idea. I Dan and I have kind of been in agreement that we think it's the same lineup. You just sub out uh, Omer for Jesse, yeah. which I think helps probably our, our rebounding and our defense, right. in, at least interiorly. Um, but yeah, you're right. We really could switch things up, especially with all these bigs that we get. You know, yes, through recruiting. Uh, Kudus Wahab, who's going to be a ball of energy off the bench. He's oh, yeah. going to be basically what Josh is this year. Totally. But at 6'10". Yeah, he's huge bigger, basically bigger than Josh. I think a big key this offseason is the development of Josh's inside-out game. Mm-hmm. Him developing more of a consistent outside shot, being able to almost develop the touch that Jesse has on the outside, because obviously it's going to take longer for Josh to work on his back-to-the-basket to back game. Mm-hmm. But that's really where Omer can step in and have a big presence, take on that role. And if Josh can consistently step out and hit outside shots, it's just going to spread out the opposing defense so much. But Leo, I do want to ask you this thing. Cole Anthony, thoughts? Well, if we can land him, that'd be great. Myself and Harrison Nugent, the Pope, as loyal fans, have been constantly commenting all of Instagram posts. <laughs> what is, what's the come? thing? You sent me this. He like followed someone at Georgetown, right, on Instagram. Is that right? Means anything. What was it? Oh, he followed uh, Hoya Bloom. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, so all the Hoya Blue people were going nuts because Cromartie texted it to me. Yeah. Because Cromartie's a big guy in Hoya Blue. Shout out Cromartie. Shout out Cromartie, our lovable Thompson Towel editor. Um, I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, so he was, he was sending me this. He's like, is this a sign? If it isn't, I'm going to delude myself into thinking that it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's George on basketball in a nutshell, dude. I love Well, my favorite is when his dad tweeted a photo of him and saying, oh, Here's my son with Patrick Kane. It would be really awesome if he went to this school. So that well, that actually brings up uh, the main reason that I and Dan now think that he's not going to come here. It's, it really uh, seems like something his dad is pushing. Pushing it on. We watched this interview of him with I think Max Preps. Hmm. You know, like they, they exactly. get all these weird interviews, and she asked someone very candidly to break down his six schools, and Georgetown he had the most kind of serious reaction to. I mean, he did, like, put his head back a little bit when the reporter mentioned Patrick Ewing, but 
It was the only school he said he didn't say he knew anyone at. Every other school he name dropped, like, oh, I've been talking to this person, been talking to this person. Um, and just the, the reaction didn't seem as as strong. Yeah, it's tough to hear. Yeah. To Do you guys think he'd be a good fit if you were? I don't know. We don't know. We've been That's thinking thing. about it. Because I actually spoke to Duran about this. Shout out okay. Duran. Here we go. Um, Duran played community college basketball, and now he's the pickup king in Yates. <laughs> True. Um, but... He asked me, he was like, what do you think about Cole Anthony? I said, well, I don't think we're getting him, but if he, we do, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, because I don't know. We have three very talented guards, and what Duran was saying... Who was, all need the ball in their hands. Exactly. So what I said, I was like, well, would it make sense to have Cole start at the one and bring James as a sixth man? That's, that's what I was And think. then he was saying, what if you have James continue to be a game manager and slot Mackin as the sixth man and have Cole as the off-ball creator? Like the primary scoring option in that sense. I mean, if Cole does come, I mean, you—it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Three incredibly talented guards, two of which are very much on the upswing, and one of which is a top three prospect in the nation. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, though, this might be my homer in me coming out. Like, I would so much rather see James and Mac like continue to grow and develop rather than have Cole come in, play like a year or two, and then a year and then leave for the NBA. Yeah. Like, I it just. I got this weird attachment to this team. Like, Dan, I had mentioned earlier, this is Ewing's first real class. Absolutely. So there's just such a connection there. And for better or worse, I want these guys to be, like, my ride or dies. Totally. At least for my last year here next year. No, that's a good point. I'm right there with you. It's fun because we we like to break down into, like, recruitment psychology. And mm-hmm. one trend that we've noticed is mm-hmm. Ewing likes to find guys who are incredibly self-motivated. Yes, yes. Find players that have that unburning fire within them to get better. James has that. Mac has that. You see, I mean, Omer. Omer had no reason to transfer. And when he was asked, he's like, I had nothing against NC State, but I couldn't turn down the opportunity to train with Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. I knew he would take me to another level, right. and I needed his help. So that's what I was. That's what I'm doing. And to see, you, you don't necessarily need the top recruits in the nation to build a team like that. You may not necessarily always have the most talented players, but you're always going to have players who want to win and are going to be fighting to win. And that, there's something to be said about that, I think. Sure. I mean, man, I can't agree more. I think Ewing, uh, both in terms of his mentality, his approach to the game, and his recruiting, he's recruiting minds and mentality just as much as he has bodies. Yeah. And to see those guys, his freshmen, stepping up, it's great. And, you know, that's also what could be the frustration of some of the growing yeah. pains and decisions yeah. and this and that. But at the end of the day, you got to love it. I agree. If you had to put your finger on it, how do you think the rest of this year plays out? Huh, good question. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we can, you know, kind of hopefully close out with DePaul. And my hope is to get one, one marquee win. I think we got it in. That's, it all depends on how we bounce back. Um, off do, you not, do you not think the St. John's win at the Garden is a marquee win? That is. I mean, that, that, absolutely that yeah. is. But with the remaining schedule, we can... I don't know. We'll I mean, the Johnnies, the Johnnies have been... A head case. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and maybe, not to, not, I don't mean to, you know. No, no absolutely. Devil's advocate here. Absolutely. But I mean, that was, it's also time to the way they finished that out. I thought we were going to lose that game. Oh, yeah. we every have. single Hoya fan <laughs> watching that thought we were going to lose. Yeah. 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 But it was good for them. And they also seemed to care a little bit of energy after that win, too, which was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, but hope, yeah, what do you think? Hope is that, I mean, honestly, realistically now, I think um, if we can make the NIT and make a little bit run. And maybe make one quick move in the Big East tournament. I think that'll be a, a good way to close out. As much as I'd like more. So here's a question that I have for you. Yeah. If you had to, Carter and I were talking about this preseason, midseason, and outside of Villanova and Marquette, 
pick two teams, one of which you are absolutely certain mm. you'd beat in the first round of the Big East tournament, and two, one team you are absolutely certain you would lose. Sure. Like a matchup you'd pray to see and a matchup you'd be terrified. For of. the record, I chose Providence. We're 2-0. Mm-hmm. Dan chose Butler. Not 2-0. Should be 2-0. Should be 2-0. <laughs> Should be 2-0. I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to take that with you to your grave. <laughs> That's a good question. I, I was going to pick Providence. Mm-hmm. I think we match up with them speed-wise as much as Nate Watson is a beast down low. The local DC product. I, I think, just think we, we play well and match up well against them. Uh, interesting. One in which it's outside of outside of uh, Villanova and Marquette. Yes. Hmm. I'd have to say St. John's. As much as I'd want to say Seton Hall. That's after, who I said as well. After after this past game, St. John's, just Samori Ponds is on fire. And I think also um, when they're playing their best, we can't really stop them. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. See, my biggest issue with St. John's is come tournament time, that's a home game for them. Come tournament time, true. they have the talent. Quite frankly, I'd argue when St. John's is clicking, they are the best team in the Big East. And I have no problem arguing that, defending that. I mean, obviously Marcus Howard is the best player in the Big East, but I think when it comes top to bottom, starting five, St. John's, if all players are feeling it, are nasty. And I am terrified of playing Shamori Ponds in like a 3v6 matchup first round. It's just something that doesn't appeal to me at all. <laughs> Although Seton Hall's a close second after what they did to us in New Jersey. Right. But again... I don't think we're going to get killed when they come down here. It'll be senior day. Yeah. Jesse's going to be fired up. Um, Trey Morning. We got a motivated Trey yeah, coming off oh, the bench. Yeah. Book it. Game. Book it. 0-4. Four, four personal fouls. A couple of <laughs> turnovers, turnovers. And a rebound. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. the, the Trey classic. That's so funny. Who's yeah. your pick, Carter? So was... I pick Creighton. Creighton. Because I think they bring out the worst in us. Because they like to play the exact way we like to play, mm-hmm. and I'll, it I'll never for, and they do it better. I'll never forget seeing them or watching the game that we played. I actually wanted to go to the game. Were you at that one? I was. Yeah. yeah. See, it was, it was kind a of a really, question. Is that? Of course, <laughs> you sorry, 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 sorry. Bad question. Um, but yeah, I remember it was so cold that night, and I was just like, I didn't, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't think it's gonna go well. My gut was telling me something. And just watching that was so disheartening. Yeah. Because all of the bad habits that we still have as like a young team that's relatively undisciplined, I think get brought out when we play Creighton because we get tra- we get tricked into playing the way that they want us to. Yeah. So it more from a mental angle because I think we're way more talented than them. But sure. Yeah. It's interesting the way you speak on that because that's exactly how they want to play. They yeah. want to bring out the bad qualities in us the run-and-gun mentality where they're a little bit more disciplined than we are considering they're a little bit more experienced. It's just they're more intentional. That's the thing. Yes. It's like they're doing it because that's their game plan. We're doing it because that's what we think we need to do to beat them. Yeah, and other because we lost them. Our, our defense in transition mm-hmm. off of makes especially was terrible. Oh, that's like the worst defense we've played all year, I think. It yeah. was that, that maybe, game. Maybe the Seton Hall game. And the Seton Hall game. Yeah. yeah. We're certainly the two worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting. And one player I wanted to ask you about, Mike, is Jamarco Pickett. <laughs> JP! JP! The Slim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's had a really weird season. Started out, couldn't find, couldn't hit the side of a bar from outside, <laughs> inside, but... He's kind of really developed into a nice defender, a player who we can really put on the opponent's best wing player. 
and he can go and give them fits because of his length and his quickness. And now he's beginning to develop an outside shot a little bit. What do you think expectations should be from him going into next season? I think part of what's, what's tough is right. he was one of Ewing's first big gets. Mm-hmm. And so and even last year, given just the rotation with Derrickson um, out there as well, um, he, was, he was a scorer, right? And he was a shooter, a pull-up shooter, even though as much as Ewing tried to make him into a, a driver, a slasher. I think I'm a big fan of having him defensively. His length is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as we can try and project him as to be this you know, Kevin Durant and whatnot, um, the fact that he's seeing his rhythm jump shot is really good. And they're also getting him better shots, better looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think as he develops that, right, the better his jump shot gets, the more of a driving threat it becomes. Defenders will, will start jabbing, um, sticking to that, that pump fake and everything. And he's gotten better finishing. You know, um, it still right, can be a little bit timid around the rim and everything. Uh, but I think if he can stick up for the rest and to hear him say in an interview, confidence, he's yes, got that. We talked about that last That's time. That's what we need. That's yeah. what we need. I, he, we also have a very undying affection for Jamarco. <laughs> like he's someone we really want to succeed. And at the low points yeah. of the year, um, I thought he might transfer. Yeah, I no. was like, he's just not, it's not working for him. And he's too sure. talented to be like a fourth option that doesn't really get thought of. Right. But I think his development has been really interesting. Almost out of necessity, he's become our Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Because there are games where he locks up the other team's best player. Totally. Like, I think all year he's been a very consistently good defender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at what he did to Alpha Diallo when we sure. went at Providence. Mm-hmm. Providence was able to stick with us a bit in the first half because he picked up two quick fouls. Yeah. And we don't have anyone else who can match up with a guy like Diallo. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Providence such a good matchup for us because... Pickett, just for some reason, when he played in the beginning of the second half, when we broke away, Diallo had three points in about 12 minutes, right. and in those 12 minutes, Pickett had him on lock. Totally. Absolutely on lock, and the yeah. only shot that he got off was off of a wild offensive rebound bounce right. where Pickett was crashing the glass and helping down low. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing, too, right? The more aggressive he gets, that, and we at Pope can get better, transition D gives him the opportunity to crash the glass, and he's a mm-hmm. big body against Xavier yeah. or whatever it was, that big yeah. offensive rebound for him. Um, defensively, he's been getting you know some good stops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's doubled his block rate. He's shooting 40% from three. Rebounds are up. Turnovers are down. Like, I think his his improvements definitely it hasn't been as obvious yeah. because he's not shooting as much. But there are even games where he leads us in assists, right? Or yeah. has like three steals and two blocks. Like I I'm still really excited for him. And I think when people talk about what the team's going to be like next year, right. we're all like, oh, Omer's coming. Mac and James are going to be good. But he, the, we we had a discussion I think mm-hmm. about two podcasts ago of who would be the best player on our team next year. I said Omer, but Dan said Jamarco. I just think two ways. Two-way. I love this kid. I really do. There's something about him that I'm just infatuated with. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets me more hyped than Jamarco hitting a big shot on the outside. I just get so excited. Right with you. Because he's, he's a player who which confidence. He's a confidence is everything. Yeah. He gets, like, when earlier this season, he just couldn't get in, out of his own head on offense. Right. And now that he's in a rhythm, hmm. a confident picket is something the Big East wants no part of. Out there with you. And it's, it's been fun to see because he's stepped up to big games, which shows that it's there. Yeah. And he's got it going, um, whether it's both St. John's games, everything. And so. The Butler um, game? Right. Best player in that one. Definitely. Oh, when he sauced up, I, who was it? It was their. Um, it was. Uh, T. Jordan Tucker. T. Tucker. Jordan Tucker, yeah. Sauced him up at the uh, top of the key and rattled home a jumper. I was like, oh, baby, that's gorgeous. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but I think I think 
we, we a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. I, one we, of the I, I this wasn't on our agenda, but one of the things we like to do, right, is part of DC's Take Five. We've kind of strayed away from it recently, but we love giving flaming hot takes at the end of every episode. Nice. So what I think we should ask Mike to do, the Baconator himself, mm-hmm. is to give his hottest take that he could possibly think of. Anything Georgetown basketball related. Hmm. No, no timeline, no nothing. It could be anything about any of the players. Any of the players? Something, maybe one of those opinions you think you've had for a while as a fan that okay. no one believes in you. They all say you're crazy when you say it. Sure. Also, yeah. test us. One, one top of the head comes up. Mirasan, keep the man by him. <laughs> Whoa! I'm, I like Shit, you're not, you're not playing games, man. I like we were. Like <laughs> Do you guys have any hot takes? Things that are coming up? Oh man, I've had so many across the across the year. I was like, I think Mac averages twenty a game next year. Um, I think I don't know. I, think I mean, James, I, think, I think James gets benched like three more times in his Georgetown career. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta keep thinking. But those are two more. I think Jesse's got a lot of work to do if he wants oh, to yeah. make it in the NBA. Yeah, um, I think his pick and roll defense is really getting exposed. Mm-hmm. Um but again, I, I think the hot take of Jamarco being our best two way player next year, I think that's kind of hot. Um I'll put one on I'll put LeBlanc, I see him being one of our best players, one of the best players in the Big East. I said he's our best pro prospect on the I, team, right? I now. agree. I see him being like a Pascal, maybe like an even Mari Spellman type. Ooh, you that's really great. think he has more potential than Javon Blair? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this is another thing. Javon Blair is the worst shooter I've ever seen who is known as a shooter. But the thing is, the thing <laughs> is, like, yeah, don't leave this guy open. He shoots 30% for three. Yeah, I don't get that, that's the thing, Carter. He's the three point specialist. <laughs> on our team, yeah. So you gotta get excited when he gets in the game. You're like, Javon Blair, three point specialist. He's He's coming in. Shot goes up. Brick. <laughs> I tell you what, though. Uh, you're going to bring some guy. There's some guy sitting behind me at the Seton Hall game. Georgetown fan from New York. His big thing when he was yelling at the entire game is, Javon Blair is the answer. <laughs> he was I, convinced. I mean, yeah. Whatever we did currently wasn't the answer. Clearly wasn't the answer. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's weird, though, because... There's just so much optimism about this team, and it's things that we're not going to be on campus to be a part of that. But totally. you know, we'll be like the old, the old geezers <laughs> sitting at home, yeah. being like, "I went to this school." <laughs> yeah, back when we had Bradley Hayes. <laughs> Y'all remember? kids don't know nothing about Bradley that. <laughs> Jesse used These to back up bloods. Bradley Hayes. Yeah, and that's yeah. a big. I mean, the amount of progression that Jesse's had though, from when he was a freshman, and there was just so much inconsistency. I remember in like mid to late Biggie's play under JT three, Jesse had a huge game. I think it was against Marquette. Um, dropped like twenty three points, and everyone was like, "This is the game. This is when he finally gets consistent." And yeah, no. Um, <laughs> so you really got to give both him and Ewing a ton of credit for you know tapping into Jesse's skill set and personality yeah. and bringing out the best in him. I trust. Uh, I trust his player development. I really do. Definitely. So it's because it, it's people who respond well to his. Like the tough love that we've seen. Sure. Uh, so I mean, I, I'll be here next year, and you'll be in DC after graduation. I will. I will. So, we'll still be watching. Yeah. So you'll you'll be watching by. See the Hopefully, good times. come to some of the weekend games if you can. Right? Definitely, Bring if I can make out. it, I'll come by. Yeah. See what happens, and yeah. hopefully, see some good basketball. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Another one of my hot takes: Mac keeps his hair. 
keeps his hair. Oh, get out of here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't worry. That's, that shit's ugly. Oh, yeah, uh, it's brutal. I, it's, you know, he lives in my apartment or lived in my apartment house before they oh, the moved switch. out. Yeah, right. did you hear about that? I did, it's I did. It's crazy time. Omer was interviewed, and there was an article for the Washington Post, and they Omer, they interviewed Omer. Really? He was just kind of like, ah, what are you going to do? I can't control it. I was like, oh, this guy, very European. She's like, I don't care. I mean, I'm going to live here. in a hotel. Like, um, right. But yeah, so I, 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 I see Mac a fair amount, and just ever since the kite's just been hats it's on cool. hats on beanies on that's funny hoods yeah it, the headband's an interesting take too a little extra dimension he, he, Carter needed to get his current haircut before Mac got his so Mac <laughs> saw that and there we like, go that's what I need I should just DM board. him on Instagram and be like bro you should, what are you doing just, come on <laughs> every white kid has this haircut like don't don't try to break the rules right? here like, uh, it's a bit of a variation you look at me I got the red hair but you got the fade a little yeah, bit yeah it's just short on the sides long on, on top, top but you brush it up exactly you gotta try you, you gotta pick a way and go with it yeah <laughs> he's yeah, got yeah, going yeah. to the yeah. left right yeah, which is got, the right way yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> well, sorry I don't wanna See. put it straight up so I get two inches of height man I hey. don't need it Makes me five eleven, <laughs> especially when the hair gets a little yeah, longer. Yeah, counts. But with that being said, we appreciate you being on the podcast. We hope you had fun, um, and we hope to have you back on. Hopefully, by the end of the season, we can reassess where we are, talk yeah. about all the goods, and hopefully, only the goods that happen. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the goods, the bads, the uglies. You can sit in when we have our Ewing interview. I, I'll we, be here. You know, yeah, I'll be we, on the backside. We're sure. already speaking that into existence. You can. I already promised Carter that uh, once we get the Ewing interview, because it will happen, I will make sure it happens. Um, I'm going to ask him if, when he wins his national championship here, if he can get me a ring. I let's do it. <laughs> you know, because and I'm just gonna kind of put my you know, <laughs> head, head my head in my hands as, as he asks it. Down, yeah, yeah. Like, here's my mailing address. Um, <laughs> here's my information. Because I, <laughs> I, I broadcasted, I broadcasted during the JT3 era. That has to mean something, doesn't it? That's, that's I, if I get a game in here this year with Dan in the booth, I'll 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 be there with him. Yeah. Yeah. for those rings. Well, right now we have you penciled in for Seton Hall. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think we scheduled. I mean, we, only, we only have two more games, I think. It's true, home games. Technically, home three. We have Villanova, DePaul, and Seton Hall. Oh Ball yeah, but I don't know. that'd be a tough game. The Nova game, like ah, another turnover. Ah, another three. Ah, another turnover. And there's thirty for Eric Pascal. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, excuse me, Colin Gillespie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's Breakout always, game. Oh, another thing. How many times do we get torched by a random white dude or it's, a random short guard? Like, right. They have breakout games against us. Heartbreak Hoyas, baby. Heartbreak Hoyas, Heart Attack Hoyas, uh, everything you can think of. Anything you can think of, man. But that, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Of course, thanks for having it. Love it's great what to you hear your voice. Yeah. Yep, and if you guys got any questions, feel free to hit up the Baconator on Twitter, Facebook. He's a menace on social media. Yeah. And with that being said, enjoy the weekend, folks. Gear up for Villanova. Let's rebound. Hoya freaking Saxa. <laughs>